Okay, praise God. We are so thrilled that you're here this morning. Have you been having a good time? I am so honored and so blessed that you have chosen to be here. I want to read something to you from Philippians very quickly. Chapter 1, verse 2, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. That's what I'm grateful for today, is your fellowship in the gospel. Amen. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Turn and look at somebody and say, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Amen. You certainly are not done yet. God's not done yet. Praise God. Amen. I don't want to. I don't want to give it away right now. But uh, I have received the word of the Lord for 2017. Amen. And I'm going to be. I'm going to be preaching it Sunday morning. So you got to stay. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm looking forward to it. I. Uh, during this surgery and recovery, uh, as I began to recover, I said, Lord, uh, it's usually in October that you give me the prophetic word that I, I base my life and ministry on and preach it all over the world. I said, I hadn't heard from you yet. And he said, well, it hadn't been my fault. I've been waiting on you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And so um, I, I started, when I, when I got to where I could, I could focus again and I could study again, uh, went to my upper room and uh, began to pray and listen to the Lord. And boy, he began to pour it out. And I'm looking forward to sharing it this coming Sunday. And uh, it'll be the first time I've spoken to the church here uh, since... Uh, I began to recover, so I'm looking forward to that, praise God. And uh, so if you can't be here, then you'll be watching for it. It'll, it'll come out real soon, okay? I want to express my appreciation to Brother Keith Moore. Brother Keith, we love you very much. Appreciate you. Amen. Thank you for, for being so gracious to be a part of this conference. And... Uh, Brother Richard Roberts, thank you so much for being here, being a part of this conference. I love these men, love their ministries, and uh, am so delighted to be connected with them in the work of the Lord. Praise God. You know, every preacher needs some good friends, some very close and intimate friends. You know, a very famous preacher told me, one time, and I won't mention his name, but a very famous preacher told me one time that he couldn't count on one hand the true friends he had. And I thought, how sad. You know, how sad. And uh, I thought, on my own life, 
And I thought, man, I got friends all over the world. People that love you. Man, it's, it's great to be loved, isn't it? People that will take time out of their busy lives to come and be a part of something you're doing. And I, I don't take that for granted. I appreciate that very, very much. I, I stepped in here yesterday and, and looked at all of you, and I thought, 47 years ago, there were four people who believed I was called. <laughs> and two of them began to waver. <laughs> and look at me now, praise God. Uh, I, got, I got people that love me all over the world, hallelujah. And, and you're part of that group, praise God. And we're so delighted to have you here and have you connected with this ministry. And uh, we pray for you and believe God for your success in every endeavor in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we want to get started this morning in the Word, and we want to welcome Brother Richard Roberts to come and to make an impartation into our lives. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I expect to receive an impartation from the Lord this very morning that'll take me higher. And give the Lord a shout and appreciation for Brother Richard. Amen. Bless you, Jerry. Love you, sir. Love you. Well, give praise unto the Lord this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Brother Keith, I've never heard or seen you more anointed than you were last night. Praise God. Praise God. What a blessing you were to us. Hallelujah. Back in the late 60s and early 70s, um, we went on primetime television with specials. And they were seen by millions and millions of people. And we were doing them in, at the NBC studios in Hollywood. And so we were rubbing shoulders with... Uh, uh, the, the, quote, stars of this world on a daily basis. And during those days, uh, my father was invited to go on many of the famous talk shows of those days. And he would always take me with him. And he would say, well, if you want me, my son is going to sing before you introduce me. And so uh, I didn't have any choice in the matter. And so we went on the Tonight Show, and we went on the Merv Griffin Show, and we went on the Dick Cavett Show, and the David Frost Show, and we went on the Mike Douglas Show. We went on all those shows that were very popular back in the early and mid-70s. And we went on the Merv Griffin Show one day, and um, I sang, and then they interviewed Helen Gurley Brown, who at that time was the editor founder of Cosmopolitan Magazine, and she had just said she did not believe that there was a God. Merv had set her up. <laughs> and he said, he said, really? He said, well, with that, here's my next guest, Oral Roberts. <laughs> I, I will never forget it. And Helen Gurley Brown was so caught unawares and he seated my dad right next to her, and she just wilted. And he reached out and took her hand and said, Helen, there is a God, and he's very real. And she just, 
just wilted. And afterwards, he prayed a sinner's prayer with her. That happened a lot in those days. Uh, We went out, after that program was over, we went out the artist's entrance. And when you go out afterwards, there are always the autograph seekers, and they have have their autograph books. And the other guests that were on the show were all signing, and my dad was signing. And one lady walked up to me and said, are you anybody? (laughs) And I said, well, I I guess not. (laughs) And she said, well, sign just in case you ever become somebody. (laughs) True story. We were shooting our programs at that time, as I said, at NBC, and uh, during those days, right across the hall, uh, they were shooting Laugh-In, and down the hall, they were shooting the Dean Martin show, and down the hall, they were shooting the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and down the hall, they were shooting the Andy Williams show, and the Jerry Lewis show, and, and uh, Wolfman Jack's uh, show, I can't remember what it's called, uh, uh, Midnight Special, or, uh, uh, all those were, well, right in the midst of all that, and they had a telling Carolyn this morning, they had a community makeup room so that all the guests for all the shows went into the same room uh, to get makeup. And you never knew who you're going to be sitting next to. You know, you just walk in and the, the quote stars of the world were there in the makeup chairs. You got to see what they looked like without their makeup on. <laughs> and it was an interesting, interesting time in our lives. And we were doing our programs one day and we had a break. And my dad said, let's, let's walk across the hall and let's, let's watch Laugh-In for a few minutes. So our stage manager had worked their show, so he took us over. We walked through the curtain, and they were shooting on stage four over there. And, and they had all the cast of all, of all the Laugh-In. Many of you remember the cast members. And, and they had Sammy Davis Jr. as one of the guests on that show. And they were doing a skit. Uh, they were taping a skit. And my dad and I were just standing there, just watching, when all of a sudden... Uh, Sammy looked over and recognized my dad. And he just walked out of character, walked right off the set, came right over to my dad, began to weep, got down on his knees, and put his arms around my dad's legs and said, Oral Roberts, I have watched you all my life. Please tell me that God is real. Everyone was watching There was not a movement in that studio. Everyone was riveted on that scene of Sammy Davis Jr. with his arms wrapped around my father's knees asking if God was real. And I remember my dad saying, oh, yes, Sammy, he's very real. And I remember my dad reaching out his hands and laying him on Sammy's head and praying. You don't forget moments like that. (laughs) Of being instant in and out of season. Well, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. I shared with you yesterday when God told me my crusade days were coming to an end and how he reminded me of the prophetic word my father gave me before he went home to be with the Lord that I would spend the rest of my life primarily with ministers, not in crusades, but in ministers. And I would teach on three subjects, healing, the Holy Spirit, and seed faith. And he would give me a hundred different ways to come at them. But the message would be the same. Healing, the Holy Spirit, and seed faith. Everybody say healing. Healing. The Holy Spirit, Spirit. 
and seed faith. Now, I grew up in a Holy Spirit home. You can imagine that. You know, my, I would wake up early in the morning and I'd hear my mother and father uh, next door praying. I, they, they talked to Jesus like they knew him personally. And uh, as I was growing up, I thought Jesus lived at my house. I thought he, he, he visited my parents' bedroom every morning. I thought he was in there because they talked to him so intimately and prayed in the spirit. I didn't understand, but I knew something was going on. Go back to the days of Adam. Picture God creating his greatest masterpiece, mankind. The Bible says that God and Adam talked and walked together in the cool of the day. Imagine God looking at his creation and saying, hello, man. And imagine his greatest creation, Adam, looking back and saying, hello, God. And they had a relationship. And they walked and they talked and they spoke the same language. They had a communication system. And God enlightened Adam so much that he was able to name almost one million living things. Imagine. I don't know if I could name 20 things. But he named almost a million things. Names that we still use today in our own language. Everybody say, hello, man. Hello, man. Now say, hello, God. Hello, God. Imagine what it must have been like as they walked and talked together hand in hand in that garden until Satan came in and drove a wedge between them and they committed sin and were cast out and man lost his communication system with God. All through those years, God raised up men and women to be his mouthpiece Prophets, judges, leaders to speak into the lives of people. But it wasn't enough. And so he sent his son so that men would not perish but have everlasting life. He sent him to die on the cross to take on our sin and shame and to have his back bloodied and striped that we might be healed and to, and to be crucified, dead, and buried and on the third morning to, to be raised up and to show himself alive to hundreds of people and then to ascend to heaven and telling them to go to a place of prayer and come together, which is probably the hardest thing in the world for Christians to do. <laughs> because many think if you don't dot your I the way I dot my I and if you don't cross your T the way I cross my T, then we are out of fellowship. And Jesus prayed that we might come into the unity of the faith. And he said, go to a place and tarry until you come into unity, harmony, until you become as one. And when you do that, then I will pour out my other self. I will pour out the Holy Spirit, the divine paraclete, the one called alongside to help. That's what that means. Not only to be with us, but to be in us. Why? To reestablish my communication system. 
so that you can talk directly to me and I can talk directly to you. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to share with you this morning in the most personal way I know how. I'm, uh, I'm on the verge of tears this morning. I'm so moved in my heart. I'm so touched in my spirit this morning that I get to do what God told me that I would be doing. Just being here with you this morning is a fulfillment of what God said through my father. And uh, I'm, I'm just bursting on the inside this morning that I get the opportunity to do what I'm called to do. There's no greater feeling in the world than to do what God told you to do. And to turn around to God and say, I did it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> There's no greater feeling in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive Edifying. Now look over at verse 13. Wherefore, let him speaketh, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? What will I do? I will pray with the understanding, and I will pray, excuse me, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Now go back one book to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, that's not a reference to sickness. That's a reference to weaknesses. Everybody say weaknesses. weaknesses. We might read it this way. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our weaknesses. Okay? For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, or in other words, for which there is no equivalent in human speech. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to his will. When I was 19, two weeks before my 20th birthday, I gave my heart to the Lord. 
As I told you yesterday, I had wanted uh, to be a nightclub singer. I've been a rock and roll singer. I was a lead singer in a band in high school and in college, and I traveled all over the states, particularly in the Midwest. And I had been up in Chicago performing, and I got sick, and I was uh, burning up with fever. I lost my voice. Uh, I could hardly walk. They carried me to the bus. We drove the six or 700 miles back to Tulsa, and uh, uh, they took me to my parents' home and put me in my old bed. It had been a long time since I had slept in my old bed. And my mother said, your father is coming home tomorrow. He's in a crusade in California. When he gets home, he'll lay hands on you. Well, I knew what that meant. Uh, Oral Roberts laid his hands on me. I knew I'd be good as news, just like that. Because every time he'd ever prayed for me, I'd gotten healed. Uh, But what I was not expecting when he came home was that before he prayed for me, God would give him a prophetic word. I was not prepared for that. And he withdrew his hand as he stretched it out. Earl to pray for me and he said son I had no idea and I said what do you mean he said I had no idea that the healing anointing was on you he said I know you've grown up in it under me but I had no idea until this moment that the anointing for healing is on you and he began to prophesy about what I would do with my life and where I would go places I would go that I would stand before kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers, I would be in crusades all over the world, and that I would have twice as many miracles as he had had. And uh, it was a very, very uh, emotional time for me. Then he laid his hands on me and prayed, and just as you imagine, my voice came back, the fever was gone, I was out of bed, and the next thing you knew, I was on my knees, and I was giving my heart to the Lord. That night, in my, in my room where I was living, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I was invited to come to a prayer group, and I had always refused, but that particular night, I wanted to go. And when I came into the room, there were some other young men that I knew, and they were all praying in tongues. And I said, what are you doing? Well, I knew what they were doing. I'd grown up, and I heard my parents pray in tongues all my life. I knew what they were doing. I just didn't know how to get into the conversation. And they said, well, we're praying in tongues. Would you like to pray in tongues? I said, I sure would. What do I have to do? And they said, it's very simple. You just open your mouth and start with us. And I said, well, how can I do that? How can I start with you? They said, just begin to say what we're saying. And I said, well, I'm not going to mimic you. I'm not a mimic. They said, no, no, if you will start with us, we will prime your pump. (laughs) Well, that was a term that I was familiar with because on the farm that we grew up in, we had an old pump that you had to prime before you could pump it. You had to pour a little water in to get a lot of water out. And you had to prime the pump. Well, when they said, we'll prime your pump, I, I began to understand what they meant. And so I started praying, and I started to say what they were saying. And they said, as you do that, God will take you into your own prayer language. I wasn't sure that I understood, but I was so, I was so touched by what I was hearing and what had happened that day in my life that I did what they said. And suddenly, some words began to come out of my mouth, but it changed 
Suddenly it wasn't what they were saying, it was what was inside of me. And I remembered the scripture that I had heard my father preach on so many times. And I'd heard him say that when a Christian or when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and bears witness with their spirit that they're a child of God. Irritates me when I hear Christians and ministers say, well, when did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, I got the Holy Ghost when I got saved. He came in. I couldn't get saved without the Holy Spirit coming in and taking up residence in my heart. And I, I, you know, I grew up in those, uh, in those years where I'd see people say, well, you know, you got to roll under the piano, you got to roll down the aisle, you got to tarry, you got to wait, you got to hold on, you got to let go. I'm... Now, don't look at me like the only, I'm the only one. Because I grew up in all that mess. And that was one of the things that turned me off on God by the, the ignorance of some people. Now, now, I didn't say stupidity. I said ignorance. There's a difference in ignorant and stupid. Okay? Ignorance doesn't know any better. Stupid, well, you, you, you get the message. But I had heard all of that business and I wanted something that was real. Something that I could get my arms around and was mine. And a, a few syllables came out of my mouth and I knew they didn't come out of my brain. And I stopped. And I, I began to pray in English. I didn't realize that I was doing what Paul said. I didn't realize that I was speaking the mysteries of God, which I didn't understand because no man understands the mysteries of God when he speaks or she speaks in the spirit. But if I would pray in English, suddenly words would come that I hadn't thought of. They were words that were coming out of my spirit. And what I felt was something coming up. And I realized it wasn't something, it was someone. And I remembered what I had heard my father preach that out of your belly, Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. If you remember the scene, Jesus was standing there on the last great day of the feast. He and his disciples were standing there by the steps of the temple. And the people were rejoicing and dancing in the streets before the Lord. And the, the priests, the, the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish rabbis teach, the priests on that last day would come out and take large barrels of water. And they would spill the barrels of water down the steps of the temple and the water would run into the streets and the people would get into the water and dance before the Lord and rejoice and praise God. Now Jesus and his disciples are standing there watching all of this. When Jesus, in essence, says to his disciples, you think that water they're dancing in is something out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking about reconnecting us with our communication system, which we had lost back in the Garden of Eden. And suddenly, as I said words in English, 
I felt an emptying of myself. And I remembered the scripture that my father had taught me. You know, even though I wasn't a Christian, I was in so many of those services. Those scriptures were branded in my mind. When you, when you get saved, it's amazing how much Bible you know. <laughs> scriptures that I, had, I didn't realize I knew came flooding up in me. I had known them, but I had put them aside. And I remembered what, uh, what Romans said. I remembered that my father had taught me that when you pray in tongues, your spirit was praying, but your mind was unfruitful. And that the Holy Spirit in you is making intercession. That he's praying to God seven days a week, 24 hours a day, in a direct line prayer to God. And by an act of our will, we can tap into his prayer and we can pray in tongues anytime we want to. That was all happening in that room that night. I, I couldn't have explained it at the time. It's taken all these years for me to have a full understanding of what God was revealing to me in that room and what God was reminding me of of what I had learned from my father. It was in, Lindsay, what year did my dad write that commentary? Was it 81, 82? 81, my father wrote, I think the first one was 81, wasn't it? One made into a Bible, like this Bible. In, in 1981, my father finished writing a commentary on the whole Bible. And my father would never accept the claim that some people made on his life that he was a scholar. He said, no, I'm an evangelist, I'm an apostle of the healing ministry, but he would never accept people calling him a scholar. But the truth is, my father was a scholar of the Bible. He knew the Bible better than anyone I'd ever met in my life. And if you took him on on the Bible, you had better be prepared. <laughs> we learned as children uh, to be very careful when we said, Daddy, we enjoyed your message because he would say, name three things about it you liked. So we... <laughs> we said, uh, we gave a comment. We were sure we were ready to back it up. But in 81, he finished a commentary, and uh, he sent Lindsay and me down to Kingsport, Tennessee, to, uh, to produce a Bible, uh, and to pick out the leather for the Bible, and to, and to pick out the photographs and everything that he wanted to put in the Bible. And uh, he wanted it to say, Holy Bible with personal commentary by Oral Roberts. This is one I'm holding in my hands. And in the back... Are, is the commentary that he wrote from Genesis to Revelation. He had a special word about every book, and then whenever you see, you see yellow here, that means that's a passage that he's going to comment on. And um, it's out of print now, but Lindsay right now is in the process of, of taking this, not only what he, what he had learned from the Lord up until 81, but also from 81 up until his home going in 2009. She's getting ready to produce all of that and to put that once again in a Bible form like this. And uh, it, it's, it's, not, it's not ready, but it's coming. But I want to share something with you that not that many people have read. And that is from this commentary because it is, um, it is very, very special. Comments that come from these verses that I read in 1 Corinthians 14. 
I don't think it can be said any better than what I'm going to read. Notice Paul states that tongues used in the believer's personal and private use and used in the gift of tongues is, number one, spoken to God, not men. What is spoken in tongues to God, no man understands, and it is not intended for him to understand. And three, the tongues are spoken in the spirit and are therefore mysteries to the intellect or mind of man. In other words, when I, now he's speaking of himself like Paul was speaking of himself, when I, in my private personal prayer language, speak in tongues, I'm speaking only to God. But if in a public meeting the Holy Spirit wills that I speak in a gift of tongues, that too is to God. For men to understand, it will have to be interpreted, as we will see shortly. Prophecy is spoken in one's own tongue because its purpose is to lift up other believers, therein helping the church. Tongues, on the other hand, edifies the speaker's spirit, bringing spiritual release and inner therapy. In verse 5, Paul uses the pronoun I, meaning himself or other individual believers as speaking in his own personal prayer language. As he states, and he states, I would that ye all spake in tongues, private devotional tongues, to build up yourself. Notice, number one, every believer could but didn't. Two, every believer could if he willed to do it. Paul would not have told them he wanted them all to use the prayer language of the Spirit if they didn't already have it in them. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Tongues are in the Holy Spirit, and he, the Spirit, gives power of utterance. Some of the Corinthians had not realized that the Spirit had placed tongues in their spirit to be used in their personal devotions so they could, quote, pray as they ought and at their own will. Their problem was that they thought they could all speak in the gift of tongues when they desired, and they were wrong. The gift of tongues is manifested only as the Spirit wills it. Now, we know the gift of tongues is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, and we know those gifts are sovereign. And we cannot choose to operate in a word of knowledge. We cannot choose to operate with a gift of prophecy. We cannot choose to operate in a gift of tongues. That is manifested only by the Spirit in His will, in His timing. I don't know about you, but I've told God what to do, when to do, who to do it to, and how to do it, and He's never done it my way once. Okay? I'll say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to start with healing. And I'll walk up there. There'll be no word of knowledge. Nothing. I'll say, now, Lord, we're going to wait till the end. Then he'll start it at the beginning. Okay? So stop being so analytical trying to figure God out. His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. And he takes the things that the world calls foolish and uses them to confound the wise. Now, where was I? It is a spectacular manifestation and puts one in position with a ministry gift, that's the gift of tongues, to others as any other of the nine gifts does. 
The believers at Corinth had come up from a background of the sensational. That's all they had known until Paul began instructing them that in the Christian walk, a gift of the Spirit, although spectacular in its results, is not the norm for the believer. The norm is that he can pray at will in his own personal prayer language, in his private devotions, or with members of his family, or Christian believers or two, a believer or two, not in a spectacular way, but quietly, not drawing attention of man, since he is speaking in prayer or praise to God only. In verse 13, we see that this personal prayer language can be interpreted by the believer using it back to his own mind so that he can pray with the understanding also. To give you further light on what was happening in a public service in the church at Corinth, there were those sensationally minded believers who wanted to interrupt the preaching or other parts of the worship service anytime they chose by using a gift of tongues. The trouble was nobody understood what was being said. Since tongues are to God and some were not using wisdom in their timing. The word of God preached in the power of the spirit is always preeminent and is not to be interrupted by a gift of tongues. In a church where tongues are understood, the Holy Spirit may choose a time in the service when a gift of tongues will help if interpreted. Giving further evidence, building up in the spirit, to other believers. At that time, the tongue is followed by the Holy Spirit manifesting the gift of the interpretation of tongues. That spirit-given ability given to the one who spoke in tongues, gift or to another believer nearby, to interpret back to the mind of the believers God's response. This is always edifying, uplifting, and highly instructional to the minds of the hearers when they share in the ministry of this gift. Instead of being dumbfounded by it, the incomparable benefits of tongues and interpretation must have their place in the lives of all believers. Now he moves on to the 13th to the 19th verse. Paul makes it even clearer when he says to the individual believer, to speak in tongues, then pray that he may interpret back to his own mind. In verse 14, Paul speaks autobiographically. If I pray in tongues. Everybody say, if I. If I. Now, he's gone away from the operation of the gift of tongues and gone into his own daily devotional prayer language. And there's a major difference. And many a Pentecostal and charismatic has explained it wrong. And many of the Uh, so-called mainline denominations who in many cases know the Bible better than many Pentecostals and Charismatics know that there's a difference. And sometimes that's why they call us heretics because we don't know how to explain what we mean. If I pray in tongues, which he often did, and thank God for the privilege, he said, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding, my intellect is unfruitful. Then he says, what will I do then when I pray in a tongue by my spirit? 
I will pray with the Spirit, or in tongues, and notice the conjunction here, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will pray in tongues, and then I will stop, and I will pray in my own language. I was doing that that night that I got saved. I just didn't understand what I was doing. Paul says, I will. Everybody say, I will. will. Or, Or in other words, I determine, I will. I determine to pray in tongues with my spirit to God. And then I will, I determine to pray with my intellect, with my mind, in my own language, so that I can pray with understanding. What is Paul saying? In brief, Paul is saying he uses his will to pray in tongues first when he prays. He prays in tongues first because tongues are to God. He wants to start his prayer in his spirit and with his spirit rather than his mind. Why? Because the mind is incapable of praying in the will of God. It simply doesn't know what to pray for. We all know it's true. It's very difficult for our mind, which is often involved in our need or our problem, to be freed up to pray or even to know how to pray. And then it leaves us unable to pray properly. But the spirit of the believer is a redeemed, spirit-filled spirit. It is therefore not limited as our mind is. Paul knew this about his own spirit and mind, so when he prayed, he started with his spirit Joining in the intercessory prayer of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 26, 27, which dwelt inside him, the Holy Spirit knows what's inside our spirit, things that we cannot identify or bring up to God ourselves in our own language. The Holy Spirit, all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, knows. He knows the mind and will of the Father. And the fact is, the Holy Spirit in the believer is interceding constantly. So when Paul prayed with his spirit, he was simply joining his spirit with the Holy Spirit's intercessory prayer for him. After this prayer in tongues, Paul asks God to let him interpret to his understanding the effect of his tongues and the response of God to them so he could then pray in his own language with understanding of what to pray for. In other words, the prayer language, praying in tongues, interpreted to the mind, so renews and inspires the mind that it can rise above its natural limitations and really pray. Now, My friends, that is the most succinct, the most theologically sound explanation of praying in tongues that I have ever witnessed in my life. And I have taken it into my life. And this is something that I've never done before. I've never taken this commentary and read it aloud. But we're getting ready to produce it again. And I felt that it would be a tremendous blessing to you. Now, many Christians fall into a trap because of their teaching. They have been taught that once they speak in tongues with what they called initial evidence, that you have arrived. 
and you don't ever need to do it again. That could not possibly be farther from the truth. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know what to pray every day of my life. <laughs> I've got to have help. I don't know what to pray for. I face situations. I face problems. I have Satan coming against me. He attacks the healing ministry and the prophetic ministry probably more than anything else. And I've, I've got these darts that are coming at me all the time. And that's, as I told you last, night, last uh, yesterday, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to go into the ministry. I didn't want to have to face what my father faced. And I, I have this situation all the time. Well, that night, with those young men, as I prayed in the spirit, and, and then I began to pray in my understanding, I did it for a while, and then I let it wane. I let it go by. And I fell into the trap that many Christians fall into. I only prayed in tongues when I was really happy or when I was really sad. But in the middle, I didn't seem to pray much in the Spirit. I had to be almost provoked. I had to be almost provoked by, by, by being hurt or having something bad happen and then tongues would rise up or when I was hilarious in joy, I would break into tongues. But I got news, life is in the middle. <laughs> it's in the middle. Because <laughs> you're, you're not always up here and you're not always down here. Most of the time you're right in here. I remember once we were watching uh, Brother Jerry on television and... Um, Jerry said a question, said, uh, what do you call the space between when you sow your seed and when you receive the harvest? Lindsay took off her shoe and threw it at the TV and said, you call it hell, Jerry, you call it hell. (laughs) Oh, you've been there, huh? (laughs) You've been there. Well, if you're honest, you've said the same thing. <laughs> but you see, you're not, you're not always up here. You're not always down here. You're in here. Life's in the middle. Faith begins at 1201. We live in here. And many a Christian does not take advantage of what God has provided. He has re-established the communication system. But I got news. He isn't going to pray in tongues for you. It's like you. You're waiting. God said, I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. You haven't had a prophetic word. He's been waiting on you. And when you centered in, you got the word. And by the way, I heard just a touch last night of what that prophetic word is. Just a touch from him. Everybody say, Woo! (laughs) When Lindsay and I got married, I was so jealous because 
we'd get ready for bed at night and we'd start praying and she'd just burst into tongues. And I said, how do you do that? I had forgotten. I'd forgotten what had happened years before. I was now in my 30s and this was back when I was 19 and I'd forgotten. And she just had fluency. She could, just at the drop of a hat, she could just pray in tongues. And then she could stop and pray in her own language and, and I could tell the words she said in English hadn't come out of her mind. And I began to remember. You know, we, we forget things. That's why we, you know, in the world they take you back for, for a continuing education. One thing I love about doctors is they're always going back to relearn and learn new techniques. We, we Christians have a tendency to think, well, we've arrived. We don't need to do this anymore. We don't need this. We don't need the, the teaching on faith like we got from, from Brother Keith yesterday. We, we, we're better than that. We're above that. I got news. We're not above that. We're below that. Why do you think the NFL has basic training before they start their preseason? They go back and they run those tires and those workout dummies and, and all those things that they do. They, they, they have to get into training. We need to get into training. We need to go back and revisit those things and, and have them replanted in us so that, we, so that we can teach it ourselves. But I got news. If it isn't operating in you, it isn't going to operate in your congregation. Because I got news. If you're not praying for the sick in your church, ain't nobody going to be getting healed. If you're not teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues, there aren't going to be many people praying in tongues. If you're, not, if you're not giving people an opportunity to get saved, there aren't going to be many people walking the aisle and giving their heart to the Lord. You get what you preach. And if you don't teach much on seed faith, your offering is going to be pretty pitiful. Until you show the people that they have an opportunity to receive from the Lord as opposed to just give. We'll talk about that tonight. But I was so jealous because she could pray in tongues just at the drop of a hat, boom, and she could pray in tongues. Then she could stop and pray in her own language. And it reminded me of what I had forgotten. And I, I, I said, help me. And she was so kind. Help me. And, and I started back where I was when I was 19, and just a few little syllables came out. Didn't seem to make any sense. Well, I realized I was just speaking the mysteries of God. It wasn't supposed to make sense to me in the first place. But then I would stop and I'd say something in English and I realized it wasn't coming out of my mind. It was coming from my spirit. And I felt an inner release on the inside. And it wasn't long until I was able to do what she was doing full time. And I've spent countless hours with my father on this subject since then. Learning and learning and, and relearning and going back and reading it again and starting from scratch and, and taking those what you call continuing education courses and, and learning and learning and learning. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're a student forever. You're not a professor, you're a student. You're still learning. My, my father was a learner up until the day he went home to be with the Lord. He was constantly learning. And he would, he would, he'd call me and said, guess what I just learned from the Bible? He's 91 years old, still learning. He was a student. He always called himself a student of the Bible. He would never let anyone call him a scholar. He was a scholar, believe me. I pitied people who tried to take him on of the Bible. 
And I got that communication system reestablished. And then after several miscarriages, Lindsay delivered a full-term baby, Richard Oral. Looked perfectly healthy at birth. Within 36 hours, he was dead in my arms. And we didn't know what to do. And we joined together. And we were groaning. And the pain was so deep and hurt so bad. And the world was saying, here you are. You're in the ministry. You're all Robert's son. And your baby dies in your arms. And people can be cruel. And sometimes Christians can be cruel. And we had no one to hold on to but each other. And we began to pray in tongues. And it hurt. But as we prayed in tongues and we felt like we were joining in to the Holy Spirit's prayer and we began to pray in English and God began to say back in English to us. And he began to give us insight and he began to give us understanding so that we could make it through that tough time. And I remember after the memorial service when I'd stood before that congregation and said, if, even if God slays me, I will trust him. And I got on a plane not long after that for a first cru- my first crusade in Nigeria. And Lindsay was going to stay at home because we expected she'd be taking care of a new baby. And I was going by myself to Africa. And I was getting ready to board the plane. And she said, I'm going with you. The Lord wants me to go with you. She said, my healing is in Nigeria. Wow. And I said, honey, you, you, you've, just, you've just had a baby. You, you, she said, I am going Now, I always get the last two words in my home. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Any man who says he's boss at his house will lie about other things, too. And any man who says he understands women is kidding himself. And there's a reason why we don't understand you women. Because when God created you, we were asleep. God put Adam to sleep. He didn't understand Eve. We don't understand you. (laughs) And they bring this to a climax now. Because this is part of my assignment. Especially to ministers. In this world in which we live. With all of the hatred. With all of the violence protesters in the streets the last few nights with all that's going on with the threat of terrorism with those who have a different agenda 
for our nation, those who want to come in and put us under a different type of law, with the threat against our Supreme Court, with the threat against the founding principles of this nation which have been taken out of our public school textbooks by the secular humanists, all of that's going on. If ever there was a time to pray in tongues and to get understanding to be the light that God has called us to be, now is the time. When I pray in tongues, I don't pray in tongues because I'm better than anybody else. I pray in tongues because I need help. Because I don't know what to pray for as I ought. And I was back here in the room praying this morning, praying in tongues. And I woke up this morning before dawn to have a time of prayer. And I was praying in tongues, laying in bed, asking God what he wanted me to do today. And how he wanted me to do it. How he wanted me to approach you with this subject. And I lay there in bed and I prayed in tongues. And then I stopped and I prayed in English. And God began to give me direction and understanding. It's the only way I know what to do. Because I am just not that smart. I need help. But when I pray in tongues, even though I'm speaking the mysteries of God and I don't know what I'm saying, I am therefore edified, however. I feel him. And then when I stop and pray in English, one of two things invariably will happen. I either find what I've been wanting to say to God and I've not known how to say it, Or I begin to get God's response back to me so that I know what to do. Now, my friends, I can't give you any more than that this morning. That's the best that I've got. I learned it from the Bible. I learned it at the feet of my father who poured it into me who laid his hands on me multiple times. And I always knew when he was going to prophesy because when he was going to prophesy, he always used the word son. Whenever he said son, I knew there was a prophetic word coming. If you call me Richard, or my nickname Rich, he called me Rich. I like being called Rich, by the way. <laughs> I knew he was just father and son. But when he used the word son, I knew something from God was coming my way. I have a rich heritage and I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it and I build on it. And I deposit this into you today. Let's all stand together and let's have a demonstration. I want you to raise your right hand today and make a faith statement with me, okay? Now, I'm not, I don't want you to think that, I, that I'm, I'm saying this, that everyone is not doing this, so don't, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. But just say this with me. Father, Father from, today, from today, when I pray in tongues, I, pray in tongues I, will then stop, I will then stop, and then I will pray in my own language. And I will believe believe that you will illuminate my mind mind. and you will give me the interpretation interpretation 
to my own daily devotional prayer language. To my own daily devotional prayer. I, understand I understand that's different, that's different. from the operation, from the operation. Of, the of the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Those are two of the nine gifts of the Spirit that Paul listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not talking about that because that's sovereign. Only you can manifest that and only in your timing. But Lord, I'm talking about my daily devotional prayer language. Praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. Which you said, through Paul, you wished everybody did. So if he wished it, I can do it. And I will do it. I will pray in tongues every day of my life. Not because I'm better than anybody else, but because I need help. And when I do, I will stop and I will pray in my own language. And I believe that when I do... You will give me understanding. You will give me ideas. You will give me insight. You will give me new concepts and new and innovative ways of doing things. Because I'm your child. And today, I declare I have a communication system with God. And I'm going to use it every day. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give praise to the Lord. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Lift your voice. Moti andana kasita kastambra. Yoseti kisimbra. Ya. Yit, 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 yit. Yitsakasoni kisimbra kasa. Meshambra kasata nakasia. Solomokotondiatana kasambra kasa. Seyat siti ashtambra kasa. Now stop. Stop. Remember, Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. That means you can start and you can stop. You don't have to be like someone who starts and then they have to lay on the floor and pray for three hours. You don't, you don't have to do that. It's like the faucet in your bathroom. You can turn it on and you can turn it off. You can start the water and you can, start, and you can turn it off. He said, I will pray with the Spirit and then I'll stop and I will pray. In other words, I'll turn it on and I'll turn it off and then I'll pray in my own language. So you can start and stop at will. Most of the time, I do it in my own daily devotional prayer time. Nobody ever hears me. I don't do it for show. I don't wear a badge that says, look at me, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't stand on the corner with a placard. I speak in tongues. I don't do that because that would turn people off. It turns me off and I'm a Christian. You know? That's why I don't like honk if you love Jesus stickers on cars. I don't need to honk my car. I don't know why I said that, but I did. Now, pray in the Spirit one more time. Now stop. And begin to pray in English out loud right now, everybody. In English, not in tongues. And you're going to find ideas and insights and concepts 
that will come up out of your spirit from God. And I promise you, my friends, I promise you, if you haven't been doing this, and if you will, it will change your life. And you will never, ever be the same again. I promise you, according to the Bible, I base everything that I say on this right here. In Jesus' name, give the Lord praise. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Man, what a word. The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Man, just go and be seated for just for a moment. You know, we're a little bit uh, before our time for this session to end, and instead of starting the next session with it, if I could have Lourdes, if you could come up. Lourdes, there you are. Come on. Give Lourdes a hand. This is another uh, missionary, and I'm telling you, this lady, I, I know when I first came to Texas in, in 1999, and, and this lady, don't let the size fool you. She, she, just, she would just pack her bags and just say, I'm going to Africa, and she'd be gone a year. <laughs> and, and um, you know, and I just, um, you know, when she was coming home, she just was determined to be here. She came here from Uganda, and, and then you were on the airplane for 23 hours, is what I heard. And um, you hadn't eaten or had anything, and, and come to find out, you had malaria. And the doctor said she, he didn't know how you were still alive, but, but God. And she, she's here with us today. This is just, re, this is just recent. This is last week. This is last week. But I'm telling you, she is healthy. She is whole. She's strong in the Lord and the power. This is a woman of faith. And I just want her real briefly just to just share what she does and, and her heart for missions and what you do in Uganda. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just very humbled to be here. I just learned from my father in faith. These are the generals. These are the generals. I was sitting there, and the Holy Spirit said, Lourdes, these are the generals of faith. I said, yes. Brother Jerry, Miss Carolyn, all of them, they are just a spiritual father for me for many, many, many years. So I'm the fruit. <laughs> oh, they imparted in my life greatly. Yes, um, like uh, he said that what Brother Jerry was sharing yesterday was so truth. I was in the airplane, and I said, Lord, I'm not going to tell them that I have malaria. They're going to take me out, and they're going to send me somewhere. <laughs> so they thought that I was airplane sick, and I was going to every 10 minutes to the bathroom to throw up, and I have no more. And... And I knew that I had malaria because the day before, at night, by my bed, I saw a mosquito. And I said, ah, I didn't put the net because I washed my net, put it away because I'm coming. But that night, that mosquito came. And I said, oh, my God, this mosquito. And it matched the mosquito with blood. And I said, ah. And I started feeling weird when I was going to the airport. So I stopped and get some malaria pills. I said, I'm going to go to USA with the malaria pills because, you know, I can take that over there and I don't want to have malaria in USA. 
And I took in the airplane, and they were so strong, so <laughs> strong. And I was very tired because I was working so much that my immune system was maybe low. So the medicine was made me very sick. So I started calling Isaiah 40, 31, I will walk and not faint. I will run and not be weary. Lord, give me strength. And I was just praying. And the people said, are you okay? Yes, I'm just praying. So I was praying. <laughs> and the, the word of God gave me. So when my daughter and my people went to see me last week uh, in, the air, in the airport, they thought, oh, my mom is going to come. I'm here for the missions, and we're going to take her for dinner and to buy her phone because my phone was spoiled here in the USA, so I had to buy a new phone. But they put me in the wheelchair because I cannot walk. My, my legs were shaking. I was shaking, and I was just trying to hold my hands like this. I don't want it for nobody to know that I'm sick, you know? So they put me in the wheelchair, and they told me. They said, and in the hospital, they took me from the airport to the clinic, to the hospital. I was there for three days, and they told me how your body was going to shut down. Said, I said, who are you? The doctor said, who are you? And I said, I'm a missionary. And they said, no, who are you? I said, I'm the child of the Most High God. <laughs> and I was start laughing. But it's true what Brother Jerry says. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. I was quoting the word. And I went to the bathroom. I was saying the word because I want to be strong. I want, I want to reach USA. <laughs> but it was a lot of things that I can say. But I just want to say that I'm being in Uganda um, for more than two years. I live there. And I go to the places where nobody can go because everybody wants to go to the capital city. <laughs> I'm there in that village, in the little town. And I really, this year was the one that I made my Taking a Leap of Faith Ministries. That's the name of my ministry. Um, it's Taking a Leap of Faith Uganda. I'm an NGO in Uganda. So I have that uh, office in Uganda, and I live there until, you know, God tell me something else. But I've been doing, I did three uh, water wells, three. There was no water. People were dying. The children were just dying. They were very bad. So I said, Lord, what I should do? Then I said, give them water. So I did three water wells. I put cement, and in the water well, I write. I wrote with red and said, I am the living water. If everyone comes to me, they will never thirst again. So the people, they stay there. I said, what did they say? Everybody reads that. But they got with the jerry guns and picks the water. Just walk miles and miles just to pick the water. So I did three water wells and a big, huge bathroom for the children because they have no way to go to the toilet. And then I'm being rescued some children from witchcraft, mistreated. They were abandoned. Girls, 12, 11 years old, they were raped because they go, they will pick the water. 
and men comes and then just rape them. And just last, before I came, two of them, they just got birth. So I had to take those babies to another place and because I don't have it right now. I'm just um, asking the Lord for a place that I can buy something to construct something for them because I see the need in the youth and in the children. My focus, the Lord, I have, I heard the voice of the Lord so clear to me. He says, Lourdes, I wanted you to teach these young children, this young generation about me. I'm coming soon. They're going to see me coming. So I said, okay, God, in this village, how many? So I give an announce. I'm going to teach a vacation Bible school. So I was giving these things, and you know, in this village came 150 young people. I was shocked to see this young. Everyone was like a feeding me the word of God. The first thing they asked me is Bible. Can you give me a Bible? So what I did is, Father, I said, I don't have right now the money. I need the Bible. I did in a week Bible, Father, and I was start praying and praying in tongues. Yes, praying in tongues in, in the spirit. And I heard the phone. It was my office. And I think it was Brother Jerry. Brother Jerry saying, Brother Jerry knows how to hear from God. He hears the Holy Spirit every time. And he says, Brother Jerry said, he said, you in front of Texas, he said, this money. I said, I'm going to send you for the Bibles. And I took that money and I put it in my car. I went four hours driving to the capital city to buy the Bibles. When I come back, everyone, I had the pictures. Everybody has the Bible. And they were like, there's where the Bible. <laughs> they were happy. And the little ones and the children, the little ones. You should see. They were coming to us and say, Can you pray for us? Can you pray for this? You know what they did? I, I, I was teaching them to plant a seed so they can have a harvest. So, though, so because they're so poor, they don't call them poor anymore. They call them like a misery because so poor of the poor, you know? So, one little boy, and I had a picture. He is six years old. He brought me egg, one egg in his hand. His hand was like this, right? And with saw the hand, he brought me the egg. And, and he said, I, I want to give you an egg. And I said, oh, he said, that is a seed. He said, seed, because if I give to mission, missionary an egg, I will get many eggs. <laughs> so he said, I said, yes. So I said, and what happened with your hand? And I realized he's paralyzed. It was like that. So in the picture, I don't know if somebody saw my newsletter. I have, even with this bracelet that I, I carry that is, says courageous. I always carry this. I have another one in here. And he was looking to my bracelet. And I noticed that he wanted, so I took the other one. And I said, let me put this one in your hand. So he walked. He wants to give me the hand. He wants not in this one. He wanted this one. So, so I was waiting. I said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you can do it. You can do it. And he managed. 
we be praying, and all the kids around were, were looking, huh? and he managed, and he did me. So I took one of my band, my, my blessed wife, and I put it in here. Because I give it to every child, these rubber bands, you know, in colors, it's a purple one, so I give it to him, and he was happy. And I said, let me pray. So when I took his hand like this, it was so beautiful. He took like this, his hand was so twisted, was like this. And the other hand, he go, thank you, Lord. He started crying with his other hand, six years old. Those things are precious. And that is because of me, it's for all of you. That is belong to you. All those things, I think God is seeing that the harvest is in your way. And thank you so much for allowing me to speak. But I know that um, I'm going back. I'm going to, this has been such a beautiful time for me. I cannot have words to express, hold the teaching. I, I was coming desperate to hear. I, I remind me this is back to the basis. Back to the basis when Brother Jerry has back to the basis. We had to go back to the basis. And that's what has happened to me. It's like a revival going on because I give too much. And so this is a revival for me too. So thank you so much and God bless you. This precious lady came to our Bible school as a grandmother and has been obedient to the Lord, she'll go wherever God sends her, stay as long as God wants her there, and then looks for the next assignment. And she's been doing that ever since she left this Bible school. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go back and let me know how much it's going to cost to build this place and we're going to get it built. Okay? All right? So you, you let us know soon. Okay? We got to build that base over there. So get your plans together, and we're going to get it built. Okay? One thing that I just, the Lord reminds me. Remember when Brother Jerry gave me the prophecy? You guys were there when he gave me the prophecy? He said, Lourdes, nah, the Lord says, nah, all the things that will come to you is from me. And it was true that happened. Uh, a mayor from the city came and says, I saw you work. Who is this lady doing this and that? The whole town, all the authorities are want to know me and, and they embrace me and and I didn't know that they know. You know, I'm just doing things because of God. I don't want a popularity, but they know. So this mayor came and says, I want to give you 60 acres. Six zero to build. And I, and I said, really? He took me. And I said, oh, my God. Big. And then I said, I remember Brother Jerry, Miss Carolyn. And, and I start praying. Praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And I said, Lord, this is you. This is too much. This is something, you know. And, and then I took a month, and I told the mayor, I said, uh, can you give me a month? I need to pray about this. He said, okay. And the Lord says, no. The Lord says, no. 
And I said, and I feel released. And I said, oh, I feel released. I feel peace. I went to him and said, the Lord says, no, I'm not going to do it. What? You're crazy. You, you know the six. Yeah, but I always obey the Lord. And, you know, when the Lord tells me to do something, he will provide for me. And so I told him. I came to know, Brother Jerry, that this mayor doesn't like Israel. They was doing bad things. And people were telling me, I said, how you know? I said, no, I didn't know. The Lord knew. The Lord told me. And, and you knew because you told me that prophecy and came to pass. And I didn't accept. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands out toward Lord us. We, we wanted to present some of our alumni that are out in the field, like Jay heard yesterday, Lourdes, that are out in the field actually doing the job. And I believe that these people are worthy of your support. You know, a lot of churches that I go to ask me, about, you know, what do you recommend missions? What do you uh, recommend that we sow seed into? And we've got, we've got our own students. We've got alumni that are out doing the job, being faithful. And uh, that's the reason we wanted to present some of them. I want you to pray for Jay. I want you to pray for Lourdes. I want you to get involved in, in, in sowing seed. You know, and as a result of it, you're going to see an increase in your own ministry, in your own finances. You know, someone came to me one time and said, the Lord has in, uh, challenged me to redirect my sowing. He said, I've been sowing at a certain place for years and years, and I really didn't even know what they were doing anymore. And I happened to go to that country where, and I, I, I won't tell you what country it was, but it was Brother, Brother Hagen who told me this. And I went to that country. And when I preached there, the person that he'd been supporting for a long, long time was not doing with the funds what they were implying to the Hagen ministry they were doing. And I saw it firsthand. They were taking the funds and they were doing something else with it. And letting the Hagen ministry know that all is well, we're doing what you've sent the money for and so forth. And the same thing with Brother Roberts. Brother Roberts said to me one time, I'm going to redirect some of my giving. So you need to pray about where you're sowing. You know, I, I appreciate folks that have supported me. I get letters all the time about somebody who's been supporting me for 20, 30, 40 years. But just because somebody's supporting someone else for a long time doesn't mean necessarily it should that they're still doing what they said they would do with the finances. Amen. So you pray about where you are sowing and you may get a revelation that you need to redirect. Uh, next time I saw Brother Hagen, I said to him, 
you need to send the representative there. Your money is not doing what they're telling you it's doing. And they did. They did. They sent someone there from their ministry and found out that they needed to redirect their seed. So we're a ministerial organization. We, we all need to get involved in missions, world missions, and right here in home as well. And these are good ministries. We know them. They're doing what they say they're going to do with the finances. So you pray about that. If you want to get involved in helping build this facility, sow seed. Sow it, sow it here or sow it directly to them. We'll see to it it gets there. Remember Jay, who talked to you yesterday. We've been sowing seed in the Rex. Stand up, Rex. You guys stand up. And uh, they're doing an awesome work. They have a tremendous ministry. And uh, they were here recently and, and put on a presentation. It was absolutely awesome. Sowed seed into that. And uh, we, like to, we like to put our seed in things that are producing Amen. So if I endorse it, I know it's producing. And when I find out it's not producing, I'll let you know. I'm not going to waste seed. I'm going to put seed where it produces, praise God. Amen. So stretch your hand out. Jay, stand up. Some of you stretch your hand out over that direction. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus... We give you praise for these ministries that are actively involved in world evangelism. They're actively involved in changing lives. They're actively involved in ministering one-on-one, -on -one and they're seeing results, and it's worthy of our support. And we pray over them for their divine protection. We pray over their bodies for divine health, long life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for the success of every endeavor. And Lord, we pray that in this coming new year that they will begin to flourish in all that they set their hands to do. And we give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a good shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. It's